Hi guys, welcome to the Fintech Coffee Break. I'm your host, Isabel Castro. This week, I joined Danny Favre, Group President of Product Innovation at Investnet for my coffee break to talk about the promise of generative AI for the financial advisory. With AI being one of the topics of the year for finance, I wanted to ask her how she sees the technology impacting financial advisors and the customers they serve. Particularly, I wanted to get her thoughts on the mistakes and hallucinations Gen AI users come up against and how the space will develop while facing potential regulatory shifts. Hey, Danny, how are you today? I'm very good, Isabel. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So to begin with, what gets you up in the morning? Yeah, so pr- I mean, practically speaking, my dogs get me up in the morning, <laughs> but I think you, you'd like a, a real kind of inspirational answer. And I thought a little bit about that. And what gets me up in the morning is that I, I assume a lot of responsibility for people who look like me. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's kind of rare being an openly gay Hispanic woman in the financial services space in the fintech sector. And I kind of view myself as being the North Star. So I want people who look like me to see me out here succeeding, speaking about my work. And I want them to follow into my footsteps, kind of feeling comfortable in a space that wasn't necessarily built by people who look like us. That is very inspirational. You you did a good job of that one. Um, and yeah, I'm inspired by your story. How about you tell the listeners how you came to InvestNet and your career journey up until that point? Yeah, so I I like a really interesting beginning to my fintech career. And it all started when I graduated college and got my first job on Wall Street. And at the time, I, I had a, a toddler. So I um, started my job on Wall Street with this, you know, toddler that I, I brought to daycare every day. And my job on, on Wall Street on this trade desk was to print out and deliver reports to the traders before the market opened. So to commute to Manhattan, to, you know, run into the office and print out these reports, it started to become you know, a little bit too much to to handle. And I was, I was late a lot of the time and I had to figure out a way to make this work. And I couldn't make my daughter's daycare open up any earlier. So what I did was um, effectively kind of hacked into the software so that I could automate my job. And I figured out how to code um, self-taught and I figured out how to run um automate reports and schedule them to run at a specific time based on specific triggers and send them to the printer so that when I arrived in the morning, my job was half done and I could just deliver them to the trader's desks. One day I got a phone call from the software company that I was um, using and I thought immediately, oh no, I'm in trouble, (laughs) right? I'm like, this is probably not not a good thing. But um, what they said to me was, it's kind of rare for someone to figure out how to do this, how to automate these reports. It's kind of a feature that we don't tell people about. And you figured out how to backdoor it and get it done. Are you interested in a job? (laughs) So that kind of started my career in in fintech. Of course, I took that job um, either out of desire or out of fear. (laughs) But it worked out well, and I've been um, automating and and um, creating productivity tools in the financial services space ever since. 
Okay, nice. And yeah, that brought you to InvestNet, which is all about that, right? All about that. As a matter of fact, I am the group head of product innovation at InvestNet. Prior to being here, I was at um, TD Ameritrade for about a decade where I was the director of innovation there as well. So I've kind of fallen into more of the financial advisory fintech space where for, for a lot of years now, I've been creating software for financial advisors so they can better serve their clients, so they can be the hero to their customers. And I've really quite enjoyed um, this industry and, and what I've been doing so far. Okay, great. I'm really glad you mentioned financial advisory because this is what I want to talk to you about. But first of all, I want to kind of get your focus and get your ideas on generative AI, which we've heard about a lot this year and how it's going to create a huge impact in all of the sectors of the finance, uh, well, in all sectors in general. Um, where would you say we are right now with it and where do you see it going? So this is a big question yes. and <laughs> I'm going to... I don't think I'm going to surprise you by saying I've been innovating for about 15 years in the financial advisory space. I have experienced, you know, um, machine learning, voice technology, cryptocurrency, uh, robotic process automation, and the applicability of all of those things across the financial advisory space. And I have never been as excited and as confident that a technology is going to make a significant change as I am about generative AI. So that doesn't answer your question. Where are we at the moment with generative AI? And I would say we're at a discovery moment. And the way that I think about it is um, you ever you ever watch a baby realize that they could use their hands, right? And like, it's this fascinating moment where they're they're looking at their hands and they're like, wow, I can control things with my hands. What a world of possibilities this opens up. And you can like see the, the awe on their face and it's this really fun thing to watch. And I, I kind of feel like that's where we are in the fintech space with generative AI. We've had this awakening and we're in this discovery moment and we're looking across all of the things that we do and saying, wow, generative AI can have an impact in all of these places. Where do we go first? I mean, the possibilities are endless. So that's where we are right now. And it's kind of, you know, being an innovator is probably, you know, this is these are the moments that we live for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, this year has been all about eye-opening news stories around the possibilities of generative AI, among other things. Where do you see it having the most impact? Yeah, so I, I, I'm wondering whether you want me to answer this question okay. as far as in the world or in the financial <laughs> advisory space. <laughs> let's, or both. Well, let's go financial sector, and then I will focus you in onto the financial advisory application. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the financial sector, like the biggest impact is going to be the ability to scale, right? So I think generative AI is going to add the so much productivity. I predict a 30% increase in productivity across the board in the financial services space over the next five years. I mean, everything from, you know, the 
the reports that everybody was running, reviewing information, research analysts, customer support, understanding products, comparing products, like this is all going to be automated and conversational and at your fingertips and accessible to everyone, which creates an immense amount of scale. So I think overall, scale and accessibility is going to be the thing that changes the most. Okay. Okay. That's really, really exciting. Um, Now I'm going to focus you in on the financial advisory application. So I've talked to a few people over the course of this year who think it could make a great impact, but then others are saying that we're a long way from using it as like a financial advisor due to the fact that Jedi still makes mistakes and hallucinations. What's your take? Yeah, well, my first take is so do people, right? We still make mistakes, <laughs> but um, I understand the the thought because the mistakes that can be made can be made at a greater scale to my earlier point, right? So it does leave kind of cause for concern. And it's not just the mistakes um, that it makes. I think we'll also see some regulatory challenges uh, with generative AI, specifically um, governing bodies like the SEC really want to see how you arrived at a, at the best answer, um, and they wanted you to show your work. And using generative AI is very difficult to do that um, for the sheer fact that it, it's just using so much data um, and turning through it so quickly. It is very hard to nail down the exact um, path that it took to make a decision and all of the data that it used as as an input. And so I do think there's um, not only concern about potential errors, but also we're facing kind of a regulatory issue. However, that does not mean that it is not applicable in the financial advisory space right now. I think over the course of the next couple of years, what we're going to see are generative AI products that give a human being an answer that they can review. Whether that means, um, you know, creating content, creating presentations, creating research material, even investment recommendations, allocation recommendations, answers on what if, what will happen, you know, if the conflict in the Middle East grows and, you know, into, into something that sort of spins out of control, how's my portfolio going to be affected? These answers can be given to a fiduciary, right? We don't have to consider the, um, the generative AI answer to be the ultimate answer. What we can do is put it in the hands of a trusted financial advisor so that they can review it. And then if they decide it is accurate and acceptable and aligns with their philosophy, then they can hand it over to their customer. And we can see that type of product playing out in a lot of areas, including customer service. You know, I can I can call up for an answer and the person on the other end of the phone may be using generative AI to get an answer quickly, but they are going to review that answer before it's given to me. I can do that on a social media post, on a blog, on a presentation. All of these areas, I think we're going to see Gen AI being used um, in the financial advisory space with human intervention, with human delivery. And it's going to be that way. Um, and I think it's actually going to be really effectively used in that way for the the near term. Okay. So even I understand this kind of coordination between the human and the gen ai but even if it's making mistakes do you, is it still an effective tool i think so i mean and i i think about it 
in terms of um, being a human. Like, let, let's consider Gen AI an intern, right? Okay. So, so it's it's helping you and it's giving you answers um, very quickly and to the best of its ability, and it's still learning, right? So if you've got a, a person who's filling that role, would you consider that person to be, you know, not helpful if the person is wrong um, some of the time? No, what you would say is, let me help you learn why this is wrong. And let me, you know, I'm going to they continue to teach you. And that's exactly the way that I look at Gen AI is that, y- yes, it may be wrong. It may give you incorrect information. You should always check it and you should not use it as gospel. But, you know, there, there, there is still a lot of value. And the beauty of Gen AI and machine learning overall is that it can be taught. And it can be taught specific to your specialty. So I, I really do think even though it makes mistakes, it is going to be um, very useful in terms of uh, increasing productivity. Okay, nice. Um, so if it is successful, if it does get implemented successfully and we get through all these regulatory things, um, what do you see it being the impact on customers and consumers and people who want to have this financial advice? Yeah, so there's the two biggest things I see are scale, which I, which I you know, I've already mm-hmm. said that, but w- really, what does that mean in in um, a practical sense? So, for as long as I've been working in the financial advisory space, advisors have wondered how can I scale so that I can take on more clients and potentially even smaller clients, right? So what we see a lot in the industry or that kind of the the, um, number says one financial advisor can effectively manage about 100 households. Um, And then there is some degradation in service if they go beyond that. And therefore, they try to make sure that those 100 households are each individually over a certain threshold of wealth. That makes the financial advisor profitable. It's completely um, understandable from a business perspective. What generative AI is going to do is allow an advisor to scale way beyond that, right? So they won't have to do as much meeting preparation for that um, individual client meeting. They can be chatting with Gen AI um, about that client's specific situation on the fly. They can create content faster. So here we have a financial advisor being able to go down market. What does that mean in terms of consumers? It means more accessibility. And that's really what I'm the most excited about is more people will have more democratized access to financial advice to financial products, to good financial decisions, to education. Our industry has for far too long been gatekept, you know, either purposefully or or just because of the complexity of the of the industry. It has been gatekept from a lot of people, right? They can't get access to the right information, to the right financial tools, to the right investments. That's about to change. Um, and I think that's going to have a really uh, an amazing, um, profound impact on on the lives of of Americans and and on the lives of retirees, for example. Okay. Okay. Nice. So scale is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think you said. Did you Very say important. two things? Did you say two things though? Um, scale and accessibility. accessibility. That's right. Yeah. Okay. The second one being accessibility. Okay. Nice. Okay. I like, I like that answer. So, I mean, 
this technology has obviously only become available recently, but do you think it holds particular importance right now as opposed to like, you know, within all the economic conditions and all of that? Is there is it particularly important now than it could be in a different moment? I think I think no matter when Gen AI um, hit its tipping point, uh, which I believe it hit its tipping point when um, ChatGPT became available publicly, um, that was a real tipping point uh, in kind of kicked off this discovery phase. But I think any at any point in time when when Gen AI was um, you know hit that point, it would have been amazingly impactful. The thing that's interesting about this point in time is that I think we focus, we're starting to understand that money is really tied to our emotions. So we've always known some of this, right? So we've always known that, you know, finance um, is the highest reason for divorce or problems in a relationship or stress. And we've always kind of known that statistically, but I think now it's become an industry. Behavioral finance has become an industry, uh, connecting money to happiness, health to wealth is really, um, you know, a, a fledgling industry. And so what's really interesting here is that I, I think a lot of the things we've been focused on in the past as far as allocation, um, investment returns, risk profiling, that is going to become so incredibly automated that it's going to free up more time and resources to focus on behavioral finance. What is it about money that affects your emotion, your mood, your happiness index? We're going to try to measure that, to fix it, to alter it and point it in the right direction. That's a whole industry that is going, I think we're going to see a lot more movement in now that we can increase productivity and automate so many of those other things. That's super interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how kind of uh, fintechs come out with things to do that. I can't even imagine it. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Uh, I'm really curious, actually. Uh, Obviously, the Biden's executive order with AI was passed recently. How do you see that kind of feeding into, I know it's all a bit up in the air, but do you, how do you see it fitting in and driving growth? Yeah, so I think, I think it's, um, there's a lot of companies that are going to be at this kind of wait and see moment, right? Um, I, I think, and, and that's by design, a lot of financial services companies are really conservative for good reason. And we like to see how this new tech plays out for other people before we dive in and make investments and start using it. Um, and, and I think that the more clarity we get from regulators, the better off we'll be. And I think that is true for any industry. It's been true for crypto. You know, once the U.S. government starts really regulating crypto or allowing certain product sets to be publicly available, that's when that's when people really start feeling more comfortable that, um, okay, the, the U.S. government, the regulating bodies are really looking at this and are passing some laws. It actually gives an increased sense of security. So no matter what the, the you know, as long as it's not a complete across the board ban, I think no matter what the regulating bodies, um, you know, set forth for Gen AI, it ultimately ends up being a good thing for um, adoption across the financial services sector. Okay, 
Cool. Very, very interesting. Um, thank you for all of your thoughts on that. I'm going to go to the closing questions. So what's a piece of advice that you've been given that you would give to others? This can, this can be personal or professional. Yeah, I, I thought I thought about making this one um, be a little bit inspirational too, but I'm actually okay. going to go with the pretty pragmatic answer. Well, pragmatic um, is also good. The, the the advice that I've been given that I that I would give to others that I, because I think it really made a big impact on me and my both personal and professional life is to outsource as much as you can. So as you continue to grow in this, you know, in this life, there are things that you're just accustomed to doing which you can now outsource. I recall having this conversation with one of um one of my favorite bosses and I just said, you know, at this moment in my in time, I'm just feeling really stressed because I have so much to do and I get home and you know, I've got laundry and cooking and you know, I'm a, I'm a single mom and it's I'm struggling and he said to me, you know, you make enough money now to outsource all of that. You know that, right? And I, it, it took somebody telling me that to say, huh, that's okay, isn't it? I can outsource those things. And I think as especially as women, we put so much on our own shoulders that we need to shoulder the responsibility of so many things that sometimes we don't stop to think like, hey, I can outsource this. So that that made my life so much easier and allowed me to focus on the things I'm really passionate about and the things I really love, um, gave me a lot more free time to do the work that I want to do that I find so meaningful um, by, by, you know, just outsourcing more, whether those be um, personal tasks or professional tasks, you really just got to get good at delegating and knowing what to focus on and where your time is is best spent. That's a great piece of advice. I, I get what you mean. Like, it, it almost takes either someone or yourself just to look in the mirror and give yourself permission to do that, because otherwise, you're just going to spread yourself too thin. I find that too. Um, thank you for that. I like that. Uh, your curveball question. If you could turn into another person for the day, who would you choose to be and why? I'm sorry, it's quite Oh, difficult. no. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had no preparation for this question no. at all. So you're going to get my most honest answer. So I would I would actually be, um, be Marshall Mathers for a day. Here's why. So that's Eminem for okay. those of you there who don't know. <laughs> So I think there are so few people in the world who are the absolute uncontested best at what they do. There are so few people. There's maybe, you know, Michael Jordan and there's maybe, you know, a, a few others who are the absolute best top of the game at what they do. Um, and they do it so well that you're almost, you're almost, you know, afraid to challenge them. And I want to know what it feels like to be at the, the absolute best. So in my mind, Eminem is the uncontested best lyricist there ever was. His use of of words um, and lyric is just, um, you know, it's it's fascinating. Uh, and I would love to know what it feels like to just be able to to live in those shoes for a moment, you know, and maybe like, you know, not have imposter syndrome and just know that I'm the best at what I do when I step on stage. And and that would be, I think that would be a great feeling for me that I could, that I could go back into my, into myself and carry that confidence with me. Okay. That's a really nice answer. I do wonder whether he does get imposter syndrome. Well, 
Yeah, gets imposter <laughs> and does feel that about himself. Uh, it'd be really interested to find out. And also, I'm very impressed by your, like, that was completely, like, curveball. And you just came up with something just like that. So I'm very impressed. Well done. That was a really good answer. Um, so how can people get a hold of you, follow you, get in contact? So the, um, I'm on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, as ENV Danny. That's uh, InvestNet's um, publicly traded stock symbol. ENV Danny is my first name. So at ENV Danny, I'm you know lurking around on Twitter, watching what people are saying, sometimes giving some input. So you can reach me there. Okay, nice. Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. You've been a great guest. So have a good rest of your day. Thanks for having me, Isabel. As always, you can reach out and chat with me on my personal LinkedIn or Twitter at Izzy Castro Writes, that's spelled I-Z-Y. But for access to great daily content, check out Fintech Nexus on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also sign up for our daily newsletter, bringing news straight to your inbox. For more Fintech podcast fun, check out the website, where you can find more fascinating conversations hosted by Peter Renton. That's it from me. Until next time, enjoy your downtime. Thank you.